Welcome to the Awakening Podcast Network. Get ready for an inspiring audio from this cutting-edge voice. You can find more podcasts at awakeningpodcasts.com. You want to go deeper? Get equipped to overcome and walk in God's purpose for your life at Awakening House of Prayer's online campus. You'll experience an online family, preaching, teaching, and prophetic impartation for victorious living. We have over a thousand members online hungry for what God is saying and doing in the earth. Visit ahop.online today and join our family. AHOP TV empowers believers with spirit-inspired messages and strategic equipping that accelerates your spiritual growth. You can subscribe to stream weekly content from Awakening House of Prayer, conferences, and other exclusive content to stir your hunger and encourage your heart. Visit us online at ahop.tv. We are so excited, and so we're going to bring right now to the platform to teach for us Dr. Cindy Trim. Welcome, everyone, once again to the Four Point Broadcast. I'm very excited about our series on the anointing. There are so many people that want to know exactly what the anointing is, and they want to know as much detail as they possibly can for the purpose of the anointing oil. We are in part three of the anointing, and if you would turn with me to Psalm 92, verse 10, our text is going to be out of Psalm 92, verse 10. The Bible says, but my horn shall thou exalt like the horn of the unicorn. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. So we know that God wants to give us fresh anointing with fresh oil. Nothing that you had from 10 years ago or 15 years ago. He wants the oil on your life to stay fresh. In the Old Testament, the priests were instructed to create the anointing oil, which was a divine supernatural resource, technological tool that depicted the presence, the power, and the provisions of God in a physical representational form. So just like a chair that you sit in is a natural representation of a creator that once had an idea and an intention, so it is with the oil that we utilize. It is the natural representation of God's divine idea and intention for our lives and for humanity. God had instructed the, the, that the oil be made in a specific way, and he gave divine instructions, which can be found in the book of Exodus, chapter 30, verse 22 to 38. The Bible said, moreover, the Lord spake unto Moses saying, take thou also unto thee principal spices of pure myrrh, 500 shekels of sweet cinnamon, half so much, even 250 shekels and of sweet calamus, 250 shekels and of cassia, 500 shekels after the shekel of the sanctuary and of oil. And this was specific oil, oil, olive, and hen, and thou shalt make it an oil of holy ointment, 
an ointment compound after the art of the apothecary. It shall be a holy anointing oil. And thou shalt anoint the tabernacle of the congregation therein, and the ark of the testimony, and the table, and all of the vessels, and the candles, and the vessels, and the altar of incense, and the altar of burnt offering, and all the vessels, and of leather, and, and his foot. And thou shalt sanctify them that thou may be most holy. Whatsoever touches them shall be holy. In other words, whenever you use the anointing oil, whether it's on a thing or a person, whether it's on a plot of ground, that person, that thing, that plot of ground is sanctified or set apart for God. The Bible said in verse number 30, and thou shalt anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them that they may minister unto me in the priest office. Thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel saying, this shall be an holy anointing oil unto me throughout your generations. Upon man's flesh shall it not be poured. Neither shall ye make any other like it. After the composition of it, it is holy and it shall be holy unto you. Whosoever compoundeth any like it, or whosoever putteth any of it upon a stranger, shall even be cut off from the people. And the Lord said unto Moses, Take unto thee sweet spices, stash, and anka, and galbanum. These sweet spices with pure frankincense, of each shall there be a weight, a, a like weight. And thou shalt make it a perfume, a confection after the art of the apothecary, tempered together, pure and holy. And thou shalt beat some of it very small and put of it before the testimony in the tabernacle of the congregation where I will meet with thee. So in other words, they had the anointing oil and then they were instructed to take some sweet fragrances so that what the atmosphere would, would connote was the sweet presence of the spirit of God. And then the Bible says, and, and verse number 37, and as for the perfume which thou shalt make, you shall not make to yourself according to the composition thereof. It shall be unto thee holy for the Lord. Whosoever shall make like unto that to smell thereunto shall even be cut off from his people. And so th these things, the anointing oil and then the sweet fragrance that they would use and they would compound it like, uh, like the art of the apothecary so that the atmosphere of God would have a sweet fragrance. And not only a sweet fragrance, then everything that was touched by this fresh anointing oil will be sanctified. So in Exodus 30 again, the Bible said, take thou also unto the principal spices that make it an oil uh, of holy ointment. So the holy anointing oil was, was, was pure and it was comprised of five different parts. Number one, myrrh. And myrrh is commonly interpreted as the uh, anointing of kings. It symbolizes kingship. And due to its use as an anointing oil or death, due to the use of the embalming oil. So in the Bible, Christ was offered wine mixed with myrrh 
during his crucifixion and his body was anointed with myrrh after his death because this was symbolic of his kingship. He is the Lord of Lord and King of Kings and the anointing oil was uh, constructed or made and engineered in such a way that, that it would uh, represent the king or the kingly anointing or the presence of Christ in your life or the kingship that each one of us are given. Number two, cinnamon. Cinnamon is sweet, and cinnamon represents the spice of life. Cinnamon was um, a, a Hebrew word that was given um, with the meaning of something that is erect or something that is rolled but upright. So the word sweet in the Hebrew describes cinnamon as a fragrance and a spice. The fragrance of cinnamon has this rich, full-bodied um, aromatic energy about it, you know, and it permeates the atmosphere. Even today, a lot of people boil cinnamon so that their homes smell uh, wonderful. So cinnamon was actually an ingredient that was added to the holy anointing oil. And it, it simply it, it represents someone who serves God with passion and lives life with, life with passion. It, it stirs up the fire so that we can continue under pressure. It has the idea of, of, of someone who, no matter what happens to them, they are on fire for God. And, and, and any one of these uh, ingredients, once it's put under pressure, once it's put under fire, it, 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 the purest aroma is emitted just like in a believer's life, when you are under pressure, only the free, sweet fragrance of Jesus should be emitted. Cinnamon uh, was, was used as a part of the anointing because it, it has to do with someone who keeps the passion for the things of the Lord. They are strong in spirit, especially when they are under pressure or when they go, are going through trials and, uh, and, and tribulations. You know, life has a way of, of destroying some of the strongest of saints because life can be challenging to do, to be quite, um, to be quite honest. It can be uh, challenging, but out of all of the Hebrews um, uh, that that understood that nation that understood the 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 blessing that comes with a life that is dedicated to the Lord, one of the things that we also understand is this: that that when cinnamon was being used, it, it becomes almost like your a symbol of the secret weapons of warfare. Um, it, 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 you know, it, once you have that cinnamon added and God anoints you with the fragrance of, of cinnamon, it is understood that no weapon formed against you will, un, will, will, will no weapon formed against you will prosper and that, that God will cause you to remain upright um, as a man and as a woman of God, no matter what you are going through.
Now, the next uh, one was calamus. The next ingredient was calamus. And I read an interesting scripture from out of Ezekiel 27, 19. It says, Dan also and Javan going to and fro occupied in thy fears, bought iron cassius calamus where in thy market. And so calamus was very important because these are the things that floated economies, that kept economies healthy. And so when calamus was, was mixed, it gave uh, the children of Israel access to the wealth of the kingdom of heaven, Calamus. Calamus uh, is mentioned in um, Exodus 34 as a part of the Exodus anointing oil, as well as a principal chief spice in the Song of Solomon. And then we read out of the book of Ezekiel, a particular text. Now, Calamus, uh, again, helped to float economies back in that day. And whoever could, 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 could garner this spice um, was considered rich. Now, the word calamus has to do with this aromatic reed, um, and, it, and, and it grew as a stalk, and it's translated upright or rightness or balance um, in the scripture. And so when this was added, it was added so that the those that were anointed would live an upright life. We're speaking of morality and ethics, which was required. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, it tells us, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And so calamus had to do with our uprightness and our righteousness. It was representation, it was representative of an upright. It was symbolic of someone that would walk upright. Then you had Cassius. In the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 to 15, it says, Now, thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being uh, saved and among those who are perishing. So this ingredient was important uh, because Cassius, once it was placed in the anointing oil, was symbolic of Israel being his first love. And as they walked from nation to nation, they would become like a sweet fragrance amongst the heathen. One of the things that Psalm 45 uh, prophesies, it prophesies of the Messiah, the Prince, Jesus, the bridegroom uh, to Israel and to the church, and as a king ruling in it and ruling for it, that the royal bridegroom, who is Christ in Psalm reveals to us the transcendency of the excellency of his personhood where he is glorious in, in victories and righteous in his government. And so this, the, the, this psalm describes how Jesus is dressed in garments that have the fragrance of myrrh and aloes and cassius. So cassius is noted here as one of the fragrances of, of deep love between God 
God that he had with, with Israel. And not only Israel, the deep kind of love that he has for us because it is the fragrance of the bridegroom. So I, 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 I love this particular one. If you turn with me to Psalm 45, verse 6 and 8, it says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. And that oil of gladness would be the oil of the bridegroom, which would be filled with cassias of sweet uh, smelling fragrance. And the scripture said, all your garments are scented, myrrh, aloes, and cassius. So it is the scenting of the groom. And so cassius in Hebrew means to bow down thy head. The Hebrew language unfolds this picture of uh, someone that is surrendering to the presence of the king, even surrendering in prayer. So cassius being such a fragrant um, ingredient in the holy oil uh, has a lot also to do with prayers ascending up into the heavens, into the nostrils of God, where you have Revelation 5 and 8 that says, the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saint. So when you pray, it has the effect of Cassius, something that is sweet, you know, something that the Lord will embrace, something that the Lord will enjoy. And then the fifth ingredient was the olive oil. Olive oil can also be seen as a symbol of the Holy Spirit, you know, and, and possibly um, our faith in what God can do. And so we see in scriptures where um, in Matthew 25 verses 1 to 13, I believe there were five wise virgins at a wedding party. They had uh, made sure that they had olive oil for their lamps, but there were also five foolish ones. They were both waiting for the bridegroom, but the virgins, the foolish virgins began to beg the wise ones for some of their oil, but the wise virgins could not spare any. While the foolish virgins were out buying more oil, the bridegroom came and their chance to join the wedding ceremony was 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 gone forever. So this is the value of olive oil. The olive oil actually prepares you for divine visitation. The olive oil is used for the divine use and it was harvested, harvested different from any of the other uh, ingredients. Uh, so it was uh, olive oil that could have been used for day-to-day -day, uh, activities, for, for burning uh, your personal lamp, for, for for even cooking, for for um, using on your body, but but the olives that they used to press were different from the ones that were everyday. The ones that we were, were harvested for everyday use were harvested after an olive as after an olive tree was planted. They would let it grow for seven years, and on the seventh year, they would handpick the olives, and this was for commercial use. But then. 
after it was planted and cultivated and allowed to grow for seven years, they'll pick the first harvest, and this was for commercial use, common use. But then they would allow that tree to grow for another five years, which is a total of 12 years, which represents the number of divine kingdom government and apostolic rule. So when the fruit was ripe uh, on the 12th year, uh, they were not allowed to touch the olives. What they would do, they would shake the olive tree and what, whatever was whatever fell from off of the tree, they felt that it was divinely and sovereignly selected and they would harvest it and, 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 and then after they would harvest it, it would be crushed, it would be packaged and then it would be mixed by the apothecary uh, according to the specifications that God had given them and it was only then were these olives used on the 12th year representing the uh, kingdom authority, kingdom dominion and then it was used to consecrate, to sanctify, or even for burial. And this would be activated by God. So if you would go with me to the book of Isaiah 24, 13 to 16, it describes the whole process. It says, when thus it shall be in the midst of the land among the people, there shall be a shaking of an olive tree. And as the gleaning grapes, when the vintage is done, they shall lift up their voices. They shall sing for the majesty of the Lord they shall cry aloud from the sea wherefore glorify ye the Lord in the fires even the names of the Lord of Israel the name of the Lord of Israel in the isle of the sea from the outermost parts of the earth have we heard songs even glory to the righteousness so there was a lot of celebration we understand the power of sound and we understand how uh, um, sound actually moves molecules and so as they were singing the presence of the Lord would, would, would have been uh, infused into the uh, olive oil that was being harvested and it was prepared for the anointing oil with those other four making up five, thus five, thus the anointing is always an anointing of grace. And grace gives you access to all of the resources that heaven has reserved for every individual so that they can fulfill God's original plan and purpose, no matter what is going on around them, they will be successful in what God has called them to do. The book of 2 Kings chapter 4 verses 1 to 6, we understand that the anointing has to be activated. And there are so many people that have been anointed, but they have not activated the anointing oil. So when once you are anointed with fresh oil, then you have to move on and you have to then ask God, what have you anointed me for and the anointing it's interesting because there are so many people that lives in poverty not knowing that is not God's best for you now this is not saying that 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 poverty um, is not going to be in the earth I myself was born in to poverty, but I am not living in poverty now because I recognize that the anointing was there to break the spirit of poverty. So in activating the anointing, we recognize that the anointing actually will break the spirit of poverty. If you would go with me to 2 Kings 4, 1 to 6, the Bible says, now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophet unto Elijah saying, thy servant, my husband, 
servant is dead. Thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord, and the creditors is come to take unto him my two sons to be bound men. And Elijah said unto her, What shall I do for thee? Tell me, what hast thou in thy house? And, and, and she said, Thy handmaiden hath not anything in the house save a pot of oil. So listen to the structure of our sentence. In other words, I don't have anything useful. Only this oil, and this is just a pot of oil. Then he said, go borrow the vessels abroad of all thy neighbors, even empty vessels. Borrow not a few. And when thou art come, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons, and shalt pour out into all these vessels, and thou shalt set aside that which is full. So she went from him, shut the door upon her and her sons, who brought the vessels to her, poured it out, and it came to pass when the vessels were full, that she said to her sons, bring me yet another vessel. And he said unto her, there is not a vessel more, and the oil was stayed. And then the scripture says that she received another instruction to take the oil and, and, and start your own business, engage in business, pay off your debt and then leave a legacy or leave an inheritance for your children. So it's interesting, she had what she needed in, in the house all along. She had this fresh oil, but she had never exercised it. She had never emptied it. And it's so important to understand that the anointing is commensurate to your assignment. The anointing is there to bring uh, circumstances and si situations back into divine alignment. The anointing oil can be used to consecrate anything and anything that is consecrated. God himself obligates himself to sustain that thing. You can be sustained no matter where you go. And God is active a fresh anointing upon the church. The anointing brings you out of obscurity. And there are so many people that are anointed not knowing how to activate the anointing. But once God anoints you, you don't have to jockey. You don't have to send your business card out. You don't have to ne uh, negotiate with people. You just have to stay consecrated and begin to access the wisdom of God. And through the wisdom of God, God will begin to elevate elevate you because of the anointing. But once you are anointed, the anointing is going to bring you out of obscurity. First Samuel 16, 1 to 13, and I love this. It said, God addressed Samuel. So how long are you going to mope over Saul? You know, I've rejected him as king over Israel. Fill your flask with anointing oil and get going. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I've spotted the very king I want among his sons. I, and verse number 10 says, I, can, I can't do that, said Samuel. Saul will hear about it and kill me. God said, take a heifer with you and announce, I've come to lead you in worship of God with the heifer as a sacrifice. So in other words, when you are anointed to do something for God, prudence is important. It's not, as, especially when God is instructing you to do something that possibly could be fought, that possibly could be aborted. God wants you to use prudence, to be careful who you share your assignment with, because there are people that are around you that will hate the fact that God has selected you. So when you are anointed to, to do something, and God is getting ready to elevate you or use you to assist in the 
elevation of someone else. Prudence is important. And this is what spiritual protocol is all about. You know, a lot of people share too much and then they wonder why the warfare is so great. Uh, there comes a time for a testimony, but a testimony is always after the fact. And in this season, I believe that we're going to practice prudence. Prudence is different from wisdom. Wisdom is divine um, information and intelligence that gives you the insight that you need to perform something or do something. But prudence has to do with who you share something with. So the Bible said, make sure Jesse gets involved. I'll let you know what to do next. When God begins to move prophetically, cooperation is more than comprehension. So God is going to move you on a needs to know basis. God said to Samuel, be obedient to this act and then I will give you your next, next instruction. And sometimes when God is moving us, he doesn't give you the full picture of everything he's instructing you to do, but he will give you the courage to move one foot in front of the other. And once you're obedient to that one instruction, then usually you'll get another instruction. And this is what happened to me. All I know was God told me to leave government, to leave my position as a senator, to leave uh, all the influence that I ha had, <coughs> and to leave my country, and to relocate to the United States of America. <coughs> and what he showed me, he did show me my future, but he did not give me all the details. And so my first um, instruction was to go to North Carolina, and from North Carolina, I was there for about a year and a half, and then he instructed me to go to West Palm Beach. I was in West Palm Beach for about five years, and then he instructed me to go to uh, the uh, west of Fort Lauderdale, and I was there for another 10 years, and then God instructed me to relocate to Atlanta, and I've been here for approximately uh, 12 years. So, it, everything is on a needs to know basis because a lot of times we will have the tendency to get in God's way if God says I'm going to move you here and then I'm going to move you there and move you there we would attempt to put all the pieces together when in fact God wants to put the pieces together and um, had I known that I would eventually end up in Atlanta I probably would have cut the process short and just moved to Atlanta knowing that I would end up here but in each of those places of my assignment, God was refining a different part of my character. He was building prayer muscles. He was building and challenging me at the level of my character. There were so many things that God did for me in each one of those places, but I had to learn how to cooperate with God. And me being an individual who basically in the natural, I'm a very independent person. Um, I want to do all things uh, by myself, and I think that I can, but I had to rely on God. So when God moves you and you don't have all the picture, obedience to him and cooperation is going to be more important than comprehension. What, what do I do next? So the Bible says, you know, be obedient to this instruction, and then I'll point out the one that you are to anoint. So Samuel did what God 
told him to do. So this is the power of obedience. Samuel himself was anointed and the Bible said in 1 Samuel 15, 22, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of the rams. Romans 1 and 5 talks about how Paul uh, is, uh, uh, refers to his anointing, his apostolic anointing as something God did for him as a result of his obedience. He said in Romans 1 and 5, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all the nations for his name. Isaiah 1 and 19 said, if you are willing and obedient, you shall eat of the good of the land. So when you obey the instructions of God, particularly if God is doing something amazing for you, then God said, you are the one that's going to prosper in the land and that you will know no lack. So God said to him, continuing on in the scripture, when he arrived at Bethlehem, the town fathers greeted him, but apprehensively, is there something wrong? He said, nothing is wrong. I've come to sacrifice this heifer and lead you into worship. Now, worship is always preparatory. When we read in the book of Revelation 19.10, it says this, worship. It is the testimony of Jesus, um, uh, uh, which is the spirit of prophecy. So when you worship God, you are actually activating the spirit of prophecy. So Revelation 19.10 again says, worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And so God used these men of God to stir up the spirit of prophecy and to prepare the atmosphere for the coronation, the first anointing of David. The Bible said, prepare yourselves, be consecrated, and join me in worship. So we understand that the elders would, would, would know what to do. So when he said, prepare yourselves, be consecrated, they understood that it meant for them to anoint themselves and consecrate themselves for the visitation of God. You don't have to wait to go to service to use the anointing oil. You don't have to wait for someone to anoint you. In this season, God is going to give you oil and you should begin to anoint yourself. Anoint yourself before an event. Anoint yourself before you go to, to, to school. Anoint your children before they leave the house. Anoint your husband. Anoint your wife. Anoint yourself before you are used by God. If you're a minister, learn how to use the anointing oil. Consecrate yourself and, and, and go into worship. If God is going to be using you greatly, uh, set the atmosphere. Calibrate the atmosphere with worship and then utilize the anointing oil and it doesn't have to be a whole lot a little dab would do but he said to the elders those that are matured and those of us that are spiritually matured we should know why the anointing oil is important life happens between Monday to Friday and then on Saturday many of us are not consecrating ourselves in the evening or the night before those of us that are ministers the night before we should carve out at some time even before you go to bed to spend some time to worship God spend some time in the presence of God spend some time in the word of God and then anoint your head in preparation for that Sunday morning service if you are an usher if you are a deacon if you are in helps and hospitality if you are going to be singing if you are playing if you are ushering even if you are a, a member within the pew the more we understand the value of the anointing the more consecrated our service would be 
and the higher the presence of the Lord will be until we will begin to see uh, spontaneous healing, spontaneous deliverance. And not only that, but when you go into the marketplace, as God begins to elevate you, as God begins to plant you in positions of influence, before you leave to go out to work to fulfill your, your duties, to discharge whatever duties they are, your job description, you should anoint yourself, anoint your head, anoint your ears, anoint your hand, anoint your feet so that you can, you can think straight, so that you can hear straight, anoint your ears, anoint your eyes so that your eyes are not distracted, anoint your hands for productivity, anoint your knees for flexibility in the realm of the spirit, anoint your feet so that you can progress in everything, so that in your uh, business, that your business is not stagnated, so that nothing about you is stagnated. Use the anointing oil and consecrate yourself so that God at the end of the day can get the glory. Use the oil if you are a student, if you are studying. Those of you that are doctors and lawyers, before you leave for work, anoint yourself and ask God to use you. Ask God to activate his word that you shall be the head and not the tail, first and not last. The Bible says, prepare yourselves, be consecrated and join me in worship. He made sure Jesse and his sons were also consecrated and called to worship. God is calling us to a deeper level of worship. And we're going to see God throughout the congregation. He's going to raise up individuals and he's going to take you from obscurity into prominence. And it's going to happen while you are worshiping God. Now, worship is not only what you do with your mouth and with your body. Worship is the highest form of service to the Lord. So those of you that are serving God, those of you that are ushering, those of you that are in helps and hospitality, those of you that are volunteers, trust me, I know from my personal life what God can do if you serve the Lord with gladness, without a feeling that I want something from that person or I need that person to do something for me. There's a lot of people that are in ministry now and they're associated with these great men and women of God believing that that mere association with them is going to elevate them, but it's not necessarily so. God wants to give you your own brand. He wants to give you your own identity, but in serving them, you should not serve a man or woman of God with a hidden agenda. You should serve knowing that God is the one that sees you because God doesn't elevate you based on who you're with. He elevate you based on the heart that you have in serving. You see, servanthood has two aspects, the aspects of obedience and the aspect of attitude. And God is examining your heart and he's going to put you under pressure. I know that uh, uh, I've been preaching since I was 18 years old, and I know from serving, God will test you in every area. He'll test you uh, when people don't recognize what you're doing. He'll test you when people don't give you a title. He will test you when, 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 when after you've given all you, you, you have, you don't get any recognition or any thank you. This is how God is going to consecrate 
consecrate you. And he, he wants to test you for how you serve and, 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 and the nature of your servanthood. So what God does in the dark is important because God does not, when God elevates a person or when God is looking for leaders, he does not look for people with mere leadership skill or talent. He looks for those that serve. And if you get an opportunity to serve, consecrate yourself, serve within the anointing, serve God with, with everything that you've got and watch God elevate you. This is a season of elevation. This is a season and it's going to happen. And, and one of the things God knows how to identify you, but he also knows how to locate you. And if you are serving in the realm of servanthood, God can locate you. And so those, I want to encourage those of you that are serving. I serve my bishop. I serve my pastor, whatever he needed to do, not knowing that greatness was a part of my destiny. All I knew was that I couldn't give God enough. I was the first to show up, the last to leave. Nothing was too um, beneath me to do. I did everything. I did everything. And I remember uh, cleaning the, uh, cleaning the, um, church and cleaning the facilities. I, I was a Sunday school teacher, uh, youth and Christian education director. I directed a choir. I directed a 150 voice choir. Uh, I, I, I did everything. Uh, I even sang in, in the choir and I, that's not even my calling. However, whatever was necessary, I led praise and worship um, uh, and, and led prayer meeting and whatever. And in each one of the assignments, I remember I remember being, being given so many assignments, my bishop would say, I need you to do this. And on top of that, I need you to do that. On top of that, I need you to do this. And then finally I said, you know, bishop, if you just give me one thing to do, I could do it well. And he looked at me and he said, God never calls anyone that is not busy. And to me, I, that was my answer. I'm busy, make me more busy. And um, so I, I discovered uh, why it was because God was just testing me for my attitude but, and, and testing me for my commitment and testing me whether or not I could withstand pressure. Because when you become a public figure, the pressure is different and the pressure becomes greater. And if you can stand the pressure when you're in a, a position of obscurity, if you, if you can't uh, deal with the fact that people may not recognize what you're doing behind the scene. Actually, I mean, I, en I enjoy everything about what I do, everything about what I call, I probably sleep less than my staff, and my staff sleep, and not a whole lot, but I probably sleep less, because I love serving God, I love what I'm doing, I can't do enough, and there is absolutely nothing that I will not do. My staff serve me, but I also serve my staff. We serve together, we pull together, we push together. They undergird me, I undergird them as well. And so it's, it's, it's a law, it operates by a law of decrease, increase, decrease, increase. So I'm submitted to my staff very 100%. They say, you got to be somewhere at 12 o'clock. Dr. Trim, I need you to do so-and-so. I need this report. I need you to look at that. Uh, when they give me instructions, guess what? Because we work as a team, I'm willing to take instructions from them, but they're also willing to take instructions from me. It's fabulous. I have the best. I just want to give my staff a shout out today. I have the best staff ever. The absolute best staff ever. And it's amazing. So God, um, 
gave him uh, some instructions and told Samuel, okay, uh, I'm going to make sure that the sons of Samuel is there. I want to make sure that, that, that the atmosphere is charged. And then Samuel uh, went in. When he arrived, Samuel began to look with his natural eyes. And he, he, Samuel uh, took one look at Eliab and thought, here he is, God's anointed. But God told Samuel, looks aren't everything. Don't be impressed with his looks and his stature. And a lot of times when we want to elevate individuals, you know, the whole thing that God wants to do is to be able to find an individual whose heart is in the right place. So look at verse number seven. The Bible said, but God told Samuel, looks aren't everything. Don't be impressed with his looks and stature. I've already eliminated him. God judges persons differently than humans do. Men and women look at the face. God looks at the heart. So God is looking at your heart. Jesse then called up Aminadab and presented him to Samuel. Samuel said, this man isn't God's choice either. Next, Jesse presented Shammah. And Samuel said, no, this man isn't either. Jesse presented his seven sons to Samuel. Samuel was blunt with Jesse. God hasn't chosen any of these. Then he asked Jesse, is this it? Are there no more sons? Well, yes, there's this runt. But he's out tending the sheep, Samuel ordered Jesse. Go get him. We're not moving from this spot until he's here. So Jesse sent for him. He was brought in the very picture of health, bright-eyed, good-looking. God said, up on your feet, anoint him. This is the one. Samuel took his flask of oil and anointed him with his brothers standing around watching. The Spirit of God entered David like a rush of wind, God vitally empowering him for the rest of his life. Did you get that? Once God anoints you for something, he doesn't lift the anointing off of you. You can misuse it. You can suppress it. But God anoints you for the rest of your life. I decree and declare that as we end this session, that you know that the fresh oil that God is going to be pouring upon you is going to announce your coming and bring you out of realms of uh, uh, obscurity. And he's going to bring you into realms of great influence, realms of greatness, where people will recognize you. And it all starts with being anointed with fresh oil. Our Father of God, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for the lessons that you have given us. We thank you for those that are viewing that they will have even a greater understanding of the anointing. It's the anointing that breaks yokes. It's the anointing that elevates us. We pray now, Father, that each individual will learn how to utilize the anointing to break yokes that have kept them bound so that you can utilize them in this season. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. God bless you. You just finished part three in our new series entitled The Anointing. This has been a production of the Awakening Podcast Network. Jennifer LeClaire is the founder and owner of APN. Our heart is to inspire people and exalt Jesus with every broadcast. We're grateful for our advertisers and supporters that make these podcasts possible.